Hi, welcome to the podcast that narrates the translated Mahabharat, public domain translation obtained from sacredtexts.com. Kindly excuse errors in pronunciation on my part. Sati said, and Takshak, after this, answered, If indeed thou art able to cure any creature bitten by me, then, O Kashap, revive thou this tree bit by me. O best of Brahmins, I burn this banyan in your sight. Try your best and show me that skill in mantras of which you have spoken. And Kashap said, if you are so minded, go ahead then, O king of snakes, this tree, bite it. O snake, I shall revive it, though a bite, though it was bit by thee. Sati continued. That king of snakes thus addressed by the illustrious Kashyap, bit then that banyan tree. And that tree, bit by the illustrious snake, and penetrated by the poison of the sun, blazed up all around. And having burned the banyan so, the snake then said to Kashyap, O first of Brahmins, try your best and revive this lord of the forest. Sati continued, The tree was reduced to ashes by the poison of that king of snakes. But taking up those ashes, Kashyap spoke the words, O king of snakes, behold the power of my knowledge as applied to this lord of the forest. O snake, under thy very nose, I shall revive it. And then that best of Brahmins, the illustrious and learned Kashyap, revived by his vidya that tree which had been reduced to a heap of ashes. And first, he created the sprout and then he furnished it with two leaves and then he made the stem and then the branches and then the full-grown tree with leaves and all and Takshak seeing the tree revived by the illustrious Kashyap said to him it is not wonderful in you that you should destroy my poison or that of anyone else like myself. Oh, O oh thou whose wealth is at ascetism, desirous of what wealth do you go there? The reward that you hope to have from that best of monarchs, even I can give you, however difficult it may be to obtain. Decked with fame as you are, your success may be doubtful on that king affected by a Brahmin's curse and whose span of life itself has been shortened. In that case, this blazing fame of yours that has overspread the three worlds will disappear like the sun when deprived of his splendor on the occasion of the eclipse. Kashyap said, 
I go there for wealth. Give it to me, O snake, so that taking your gold I may return. Takshak replied, O best of regenerate ones, even I will give you more than what you will expect from that king. Therefore, don't go. Sati continued, That best of Brahmans, Kashyap, of great prowess and intelligence, hearing those words of Takshak, sat in yoga meditation over the king. And that foremost of Munis, which was Kashyap, of great prowess and gifted with spiritual knowledge, ascertaining that the period of life of that king of the Pandav race had really run out, returned, receiving from Takshak as much wealth as he desired. And upon the illustrious Kashyap's retracing his steps, Takshak at the proper time speedily entered the city of Hastinapur. And on his way, he heard that the king was living very cautiously, protected by means of poison-neutralizing mantras and medicines. Sauti continued, The snake thereupon reflected thus, The monarch must be deceived by my power of illusion. But what must be the means? Then Takshak sent to the king some snakes in the guise of ascetics, taking with them fruits and water as presents. And Takshak addressing them said, Go all of you to the king on the pretext of pressing business without any sign of impatience as if to make the monarch only accept the fruits and flowers and water that you shall carry as presents unto him. Sauti continued. Those snakes thus commanded by Takshak acted accordingly and they took to the king kusa grass and water and fruits. And that foremost of kings of great prowess accepted those offerings. And after their business, he said unto them, Retire. Then after those snakes disguised as ascetics had gone away, the king addressed his ministers and friends, saying, Eat with me all these fruits of excellent taste brought by the ascetics. Impelled by fate, and the words of the Rishi. The king, with his ministers, felt the desire of eating those fruits. The particular fruit within which Takshak had entered was taken by the king himself for eating. And when he was eating it, there appeared, O Shonak, an ugly insect out of it, of shape scarcely discernible, of eyes black and of coppery colour. And that foremost of kings, king that insect, addressed his counsellors, saying, The sun is setting. Today I have no more fear from poison. Therefore let this insect become takshak and bite me, so that my sinful act may be expiated, and the words of the ascetic rendered true. And those counsellors also, impelled by fate, approved of that speech. And then the monarch smiled 
losing his senses, his hour having come. And he quickly placed that insect on his neck. And as the king was smiling, Takshak, who had, in the form of the insect, come out of the fruit that had been offered to the king, coiled himself around the neck of the monarch. And quickly coiling around the king's neck and uttering a tremendous roar, Takshak, lord of snakes, bit that protector of the earth. Sauti said, Then the counsellors, beholding the king in the coils of Takshak, became pale with fear and wept in exceeding grief. And hearing the roar of Takshak, the ministers all fled. And as they were flying away in great grief, they saw Takshak, the king of snakes, that wonderful serpent, coursing through the blue sky like a streak of the hues of the lotus and looking very much like the vermilion-coloured line on a woman's crown, dividing the dark masses of her hair in the middle. And the mansion in which the king was living blazed up with Takshak's poison. And the king's counsellors, on beholding it, fled away in all directions. And the king himself fell down, as if struck by lightning. And when the king was laid low by Takshak's poison, his counsellors with the royal priest, a holy Brahman, performed all his last rites. All the citizens assembling together made the minor son of the deceased monarch their king. And the people called their new king that slayer of all enemies, that hero of the Kuru race, by the name of Janmajai. And that best of monarchs, Janmajai, though a child, was wise in mind. And with his counsellors and priest, the eldest son Parikshit, that bull amongst the Kurus, ruled the kingdom like his heroic great-grandfather Yudhishthir. And the ministers of the youthful monarch, beholding that he could now keep his enemies in check, went to Suvarnamarnam, the king of Kasi, and asked him his daughter Vapushtama for a bride. And the king of Kasi, after due enquiries, bestowed with ordained rites his daughter Vapushtama on that mighty hero of the Kuru race. And the latter, receiving his bride, became exceedingly glad. And he gave not his heart at any time to any other woman. Gifted with great energy, he wandered in pursuit of pleasure with a cheerful heart on the expanses of water and amid woods and flowery fields. And that first of monarch passed his time in pleasure, as Pururavas of old did, on receiving the celestial damsel Urvasi, herself fairest of the fair, the damsel Vapushtama also devoted to her lord, 
and celebrated for her beauty, having gained a desirable husband, pleased him by the excess of her affection during the period he spent in the pursuit of pleasure. Meanwhile, the great ascetic Jaratkaru wandered over the whole earth, making the place where evening fell his home for the night. And gifted with ascetic power, he roamed practicing various vows difficult to be practiced by the immature and bathing also in various sacred waters. And the Muni had air alone for his food and was free from desire of worldly enjoyment. And he became daily emaciated and grew lean-fleshed. One day, he saw the spirits of his ancestors, heads down in a hole by a cord of virana roots, having only one thread entire. And that even single thread was being gradually eaten by a large rat dwelling in that hole. And the pitras in that hole were without food, emaciated, pitiable, and eagerly desirous of salvation. And Jaratkaru, approaching the pitiable one, himself in humble guise, asked them, Who are you hanging by this cord of virana roots? The single weak root that is still left in this cord of virana roots, already eaten away by the rat dwelling in this hole, is itself being gradually eaten away by the same rat with his sharp teeth. The little that remains of the single thread will soon be cut away. It is clear you shall then have to fall down into this pit with faces downwards. Seeing you with faces downwards and overtaken by this great calamity, my pity has been excited. What good can I do to you? Tell me quickly whether this calamity can be averted by a fourth, a third, or even by the sacrifice of half of this my ascetism. Or relieve yourselves even with the whole of my ascetism. I consent all this. Do as you please. The Pitras said, Venerable Brahmachari, you are desirous to relieve us. But, O foremost of Brahmans, you cannot dispel our affliction by your ascetism. O child, O first of speakers, we too have the fruits of our ascetism. But, O Brahman, it is for the loss of children that we are falling down into this unholy hell. The Grand Sire himself has said that a son is a great merit. And we are about to be cast in this hole our ideas are no longer clear. Therefore, O child, we know, we know you not, although your manhood is well known on earth. Venerable you are and of good fortune. You who thus from kindness grieves for us, worthy of pity and greatly afflicted. O Brahman, listen, we are. We are rishis of the Yayavara sect of rigid vows. And O Muni, from loss of children, 
we have fallen down from a sacred region. Our severe penances have not been destroyed. We have a thread yet. But we have only one thread now. It matters little, however, whether he is or is not. Unfortunate as we are, we have a thread in one, known as Jaratkaru. The unfortunate one has gone through the Vedas and their branches and is practicing ascetism alone. He being one with soul under complete control, desires set high, observant of vows, deeply engaged in ascetic penances, and free from greed for the merits of ascetism. We have been reduced to this deplorable state. As no wife, no son, no relatives. Therefore, we hang in this hole, our consciousness lost, like men having none to take care of them. If you meet him, please tell him, from your kindness to us, your pitras in sorrow are hanging with faces downwards in a hole. Take a wife and beget children. O thou of ascetic wealth, thou art, O amiable one, the only thread that remains in the line of your ancestors. O Brahman, the cord of Virana roots that you see were hanging by is the cord representing our multiplied race. And O Brahman, these threads of the cord of Virana roots that you see as eaten away are our cells who have been eaten up by time. This root that you see that has been half eaten and by which we are hanging in this hole is he that has adopted ascetism alone. The rat that you see is time of infinite strength and he, time, is gradually weakening the red charatkaru engaged in ascetic penances tempted by the merits thereof but wanting in prudence and heart. O oh, excellent one, his ascetism cannot save us. Behold our roots being torn, cast down from the higher regions, deprived of consciousness by time. We are going downwards like sinful wretches. And upon our going down into this hole with all our relatives, eaten up by time, even he shall sink into hell with us. O child, whether it is ascetism or sacrifice or whatever else there be of extremely holy acts, everything is inferior. These cannot count with a son. O child, having seen all, speak unto that Jaratkaru of ascetic wealth. You should tell him in detail everything that you have beheld. And O Brahman, from your kindness towards us, you should tell him all that would induce him to take a wife and beget children. Amongst his friends or of our own race, who art thou, O excellent one, that thus grieves for us like a friend? We wish to hear who you are that stayed here. 